0: You're listening to Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon, here with Oscar Harding. Hi, Oscar. Hello. Yeah, Oscar, I don't know, small is We work with you now almost all the time, me and Timothy, on Cinema Escapist as the African cinema editor. First, Tell us more about that. So, uh,
1: Sharon, Timothy and I have been working together for quite a while now, Cinema Escapist is a website that we work for. We've written about Who Killed Captain Alex, Black Panther. We do a variety from the continent and the diaspora.
2: Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah, today Timothy and Joel are not available but just me and Oscar are going to talk about The Battle of Algiers from 1966 which I also wrote about on Cinema Escapist. I'll send a link, I'll put a link up in the description of the episode so please check that out. But my article focused a lot on the impression that the film has left for all the years it's existed but here we're going to talk about the film as a whole so the film was co-written and directed by Gillo Pontacovo an Italian director based on the memoirs of the co-writer and actor in the film called Sadi Yasef who decided to actually relieve the events of the film by acting a role which was a lot of what he was actually doing for the Algerian National Liberation Front And the story of the film is that the corporation, Algerian National Liberation Front, otherwise known as FLN, is struggling to gain freedom from the colonial French rule. So throughout the film, we see extreme measures of terrorism and torture that both the Algerians and French government take during this revolt. And uh, from the Algerian perspective, we watch a character called Ali Point who starts out as a petty thief and while he's in jail he's radicalized and gets to the top ranks of FNL and during the final scenes uh, the French is targeting him as one of the last people in the organization well from the French perspective we have Colonel Matthew played by Jean Martin who was the only professional actor in the film he's the commander of the French military who has who actually has a lot of respect for the Algerians but has a ruthless mission to win this revolt. So let's start with your impression of the film Oscar. I most want to hear from you too. what you think of it in general how your perception of the film.
2: This is a film
1: uh, I've actually been meaning to watch for around eight years mm-hmm. and I finally got around to it uh, earlier this year
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think it's a masterpiece. It's now one of my favorite films ever as it is you know all kinds of great filmmakers and and politicians and people who love film it seems surprisingly overlooked by a lot of people who claim to love film and cinema and it surprises me that more of them haven't seen this um it feels this is such a cliche to say Mm-hmm. but it's a film that feels like it's ripped from the headlines and we'll discuss the,
0: the timelessness of it later but mm-hmm. I think that's absolute testament to Ponte Corvo's uh, skills as a filmmaker Yeah, Yeah, same thing uh, and this is actually, it has become one of my favourite films of all time I think after writing about it, it kind of solidified it but I really admire it, especially on Two fronts because it's great in filmmaking and the way it shows the events because it's admirable that Algeria's independence is like forever restored in this film like it's just the power of film is shown through this film so I really like it for that Yeah, it could be argued, you
1: know, you sort of read up about it and it was essentially bankrolled as a kind of propaganda piece it sort of, it transcends that it doesn't matter what your political affiliation or where you're from or how much you knew about Algeria before you saw this movie it, just on every single level this, this works and it's by people on the top of their game you've got Ennio Morricone's school which we'll talk about later you've got the cinematography mm-hmm. uh, the editing of it even the acting mm-hmm. from the one professional actor Jean Martin mm-hmm. and all the non-professionals including Yasser himself yeah Okay. We- nothing about the film that doesn't work
0: <laughs> we'll see you're mentioning how it's like a propaganda film let's go straight into the narrative because the director insists okay oh, he doesn't insist he just says it's objective and calls it balanced on both sides because the movie keeps shifting perspectives between the Algerians and the French which is which is a thing I really like it's You can see how he would describe it as objective, but then it obviously is on the side of the revolutionaries because of how it ends, of course. And I think also us as the viewers would uh, support the underdogs. I don't think anyone would go in and full on support the French. No, I would agree with
1: that. Uh, But what I think he does very well is you you empathize
2: Mm -hmm. with the French side and not sympathize, but you uh, empathize Mm. and that's another reason the film works so well. I think for the most
1: part, he achieves a neutrality. Mm-hmm. It's just that the way that he presents the film, we automatically sympathize with the Algerian side, the oppressed. Yeah, but yeah. despicable things too. It's just, you understand their justification for committing that violence.
0: Yes. I think it's saying that both of them suffered as they're trying to achieve their goal and made the people could suffer their own people who they were defending also go through so much trite even
1: though Algeria sort of uh, gets his independence as we see in the film's epilogue up mm-hmm. until that point mm-hmm. no one really wins mm-hmm. you don't have the the plucky rebels winning mm-hmm. uh, the French in theory keep control but you know it's not for long and they've lost so much by maintaining control yeah but yeah it's, it's kind of a downer film when you think about it
2: yeah
0: um, in terms of narrative, the thing I really wanted to talk about is how much the film breaks up, breaks down the system and how it works. I think that's one of the more fascinating things about it because you come out having a better look at how terrorism even gets to happen and counterinsurgency, which is also another reason why people like this film because you get a detail. For example, one of the scenes where the Colonel Matthew is drawing out the triangles on how the terrorists work and their plan on how to get into on how to suppress them.
1: Well, this uh, this film has sort of a disturbing relevance to the oppressors now. Yeah. They, they had a screening of the movie in the Pentagon back in 2003. I in And just before or during the Iraq war. <laughs> in, the, in the 1960s, there was a screening of it in Argentina, essentially warning the oppressors of how people might fight back and how to oppress that. Yeah. So even though the director tried to be neutral, you've sort of got a, a tool for the, the French forces of the world, so to speak.
0: Yes, I know that is so fascinating. I was that. Ironically. That's yeah. I don't. I wonder how he felt about that. I don't think it's a great thing. Which I th- What do you think about how um, the film a, th- a, a a not a criticism, just like an observation, is how the film doesn't actually show that the French the the Algerians were suffering throughout the years of occupation do you think that would have helped even sympathize with them more? I think if you do that
1: you you draw focus away from the resistance and you essentially guess them there's a lot more exploitative audiences are intelligent they they know uh, the oppression that's being dealt to the Algerians of the And to the French. I think you see that very effectively every time that uh, there's the borders and the Algerians are trying to cross through to different parts of the city and get to work. Uh, You don't need to manipulate the audience. (laughs) Everything they're seeing is going to
2: make you sympathize with the Algerians. Um, We don't
1: necessarily need, well, for lack of a better word, uh, poverty porn. We don't need to see (laughs) the people suffering. (laughs) <laughs> because that um, Pontic Boba does a good enough job
0: through the resistance forces. The fact that they even exist mm. is all that we need to know. I know, and uh, uh, one thing about it probably being a propaganda piece. I and um, the 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 scene which which is actually my favorite and by far the most disturbing scene in the film is when we get to see the women of of the, the Algerian women put bombs in different areas in Algeria. And I think the scene which really, really solidifies that he is also entirely... He's criticizing the Algerians is the scene where we see where the camera focuses on a baby before the bombing happens. And it's one of the scenes you leave the movie with... And with the context of how it was happening, I, I think it really solidifies that he was also trying to put a balanced perspective.
1: See, it's it's a scene like that which is a stand-up in the film. Yes. It seems like that where the, the filmmaker comes through.
2: Yeah. Uh, just going off on a slight tangent. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know the famous quote by Alfred Hitchcock
0: about um, suspense in a film or in <laughs> storytelling? The one about the bomb? It's about how the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: The, the audience knows, but mm. the people in the film don't know. This is quite literally a reenactment of that quote. Yeah, that's why it works so well. The audience knows. Yeah, and when we know there's a ticking bomb. Yeah, uh, that's a lot more effective than if There just happens to be an explosion.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you had to a narrative? The
1: thing is, yeah. The film, the film essentially has no real narrative. Mm. It has no, it has no plot beyond oh, this sequence of events leads to the next sequence of events. No one's chasing after a MacGuffin or a flop device. There's no twist or revelation which changes what the characters do and yeah. how the narrative unfolds. It's essentially a collection of scenes <laughs> where we're seeing the French trying to quell this resistance. You see the resistance launching various attacks on the French. Mm-hmm. That's ki- that's kind of it. And I'm not nec- I'm not usually a fan of films with... You know.
0: Little to no plot structure, but it works here, yeah. Um, I think that takes me into a character which is an in, which I didn't get to write about while I was writing, but I found it interesting because this is it has you the way you're saying it has no narrative, it's really not digging into any particular character. Like when I was mentioning the two people, um, Alila Point, who we look at. It's not really about him. It's not even trying to get into his psyche or his entire process. But since there's no one... It, the, the movie seems to focus more on telling the story, telling events, like how each event went one from one event to the other event, what would lead to this and the other, which is great, I think. I actually liked it.
1: I would argue that the one character who leaves an impact is... Our antagonist—it's it, it's Jean Martin playing uh, L- Lieutenant Colonel Machu. Really? Um, I don't know if you picked. Yeah, I don't know if you picked up on this, but uh, he's very very reminiscent mm-hmm. of Christoph Waltz's Hans Lander in *Inglorious uh, Bastards* decades later. They um. had a real similarity to me. He's very charismatic. You know what he's doing is despicable, but mm-hmm. he's not justified. But he explains himself well. He's not just a villain, he's there to to uh, to control the population, it's very much in the same way that Hans Lander doesn't necessarily hate those that he's hunting down in Glorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. He sees it as a service, he has to perform, yeah. he admires his enemy in yeah. a despicable way, mm-hmm. but he's not a one-dimensional
2: villain.
0: But he doesn't have any real depth. The movie is more about the scope of the events than any depth in any character, even Colonel Matthew, I think. Because he didn't leave that big an impression on me, actually. I mean, just
1: compared... If you compare all the actors, and I wouldn't say it was just because he was the only professional yes, the only, actor in the film.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, He's the one who leaves the biggest impact for me. Mm-hmm. What
1: um, what I see in the film stays with me, but it's mm-hmm. certain things that he said throughout the film, the way he performs and the way he delivers to the rest of the French forces and the press,
2: mm-hmm. that
1: kind of stayed with me. So I think he's the strongest character in a film that doesn't really develop its characters or focus that much on plot. It's more about message and cinematography and, you know, portraying things in a visual way. Yeah. The original screenplay before Pontecorpo, um and the co-writer uh, Franco Salinas, uh, Sadie Yosef who wrote the book the film is based on. Mm. He originally wrote the screenplay, mm. and
0: it had no plot and no actual dialogue, apparently, <laughs> which obviously needed to be changed. But mm. that
1: kind of comes through for me in the film.
0: Oh, yeah, it does. It does. It definitely does. But do you think that was Sadi Assef's choice to have no particular hero for the film? Because... There's no, there's, I, I, I don't think Ali point is that big a massive hero who you focus on. He's not going through some sort of hero's journey, which a film like this would usually have. Uh, no,
1: I, I, I think, I think you're right. I think that was Yosef's intention because even though he's in the film and he wrote the book this is based on, there, there's, there's no ego to him. It doesn't feel yeah. like it's the Sadi Yosef show. He just. Happens to be that, and he adds to the authenticity.
0: Yeah, I love that. Uh, I also found it interesting how he how he insisted that was uh, stay with the people for a really long time to really gauge the situation. Did you read about that? How he took like a uh, year?
1: no, I didn't. But honestly, that that wouldn't surprise me. This film feels so lived in and mm. authentic.
0: It does. It really, really does. Yeah and uh, uh how uh, most of the car- everyone else is is not a, a professional actor and even the the extras i really i really couldn't imagine what it must have been like to go through something you know of so cuz it's been 4 years since the struggle for independence and it was really fresh in people's minds just having to reenact those events must have been quite i, I can't imagine how that went down i don't know no, it would have been very difficult mm-hmm. uh, for those non-professional actors, but that that shows through. That that discomfort, the fact it's all
2: it's all real, it's all fresh. Mm-hmm. I find usually films that uh, are based on true events that are happening mm-hmm. either just
1: after or at the time they're happening. Mm-hmm. You, they don't really work for me, in my opinion, because you haven't really had a chance to distance yourself from. You know, analyze the event without being biased. Mm-hmm. But it works in the film's favor. And I just think in so many ways this film is an anomaly. Yeah.
0: yeah, like whenever bombings happen in the US and someone makes a film in months, it never comes out right. I don't know. Oh, it's always terrible. Yeah, it's always so bad. And they make like five of them at the same time. It's always terrible. Um, oh, you've talked about... Cano Matthew anything more you had on any other
1: characters I, I, this is a film I absolutely love but if I'm being honest none of the individual characters with the exception of Colonel Matthew uh, e- even him to some extent no one really leaves an impact with you when you think about great films that everyone loves they think of certain characters they think of uh, you know they think of Don Vito Corleone or Marty mm-hmm. McFly or Tyler Durden mm-hmm. and when they talk about those films yeah. When people talk about the Palavideus, they don't really think of oh, Ali La Pointe, or Colonel <laughs> Machu.
0: Um, in terms of that, I think the only thing I would, I would close with is again. I think I'm going to bring up this scene in every in every uh, session we go through. Uh, the scene with the women taking the bombs to the different areas. Mm-hmm. I just love that a lot because of how they use them. It was interesting to watch people... You know how you always see like men prepare for war? It was fa- That scene is so fascinating, watching the women prepare for war and they're just having disguises that make them look like the, 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 the French. And it really borders so well on that impression of how women are not a threat and how they just let them pass through that, yeah. the security lines those three actually, I think of the people in the film I remember them a lot
1: yeah the thing is the fact that it's women in that scene first mm-hmm. of all they justify the use of the woman because it's you know as you say people underestimate them yeah but I, I find when you get a scene like that or a film which is female led regardless of whether it's a man or a woman
2: directing mm-hmm. you instantly get a very
1: different energy to the scene or to the film Mm -hmm. slightly off topic uh, my favourite film of the year is Annihilation
0: oh mine Uh, too (laughs) yeah but
2: it's
1: it's not necessarily an original concept you have a bunch of people scientists soldiers and they go and discover an alien threat
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know we see it in Alien which is another favourite film of mine but the fact is uh, it's led by women it's dealing with themes of life and creation of nature and that automatically gives it a very different energy. Not,
2: not necessarily a better energy, mm-hmm. but a different energy, a
0: different tone. Yeah. And I don't know if the scene
2: with uh, the
1: bombs would have worked as well if, if it, it was, was more male guerrilla fighters.
0: That is so true. That's why it's so great. I like it a lot. That's,
1: that scene needs to be talked about more. It's uh, Have you ever seen a French movie called Re-Fifi? it's a heist movie no
0: it's on my watch list I haven't yet seen it. Yeah,
1: sure. it it's got a completely silent heist scene and it's these guys and they're pulling off a heist and there's not a word of dialogue spoken wow and it's so tense and it's one of the great suspenseful for scenes in cinema
0: same with this it's up there oh I have to see RGV it's got shot up to the top of my watch list um, okay uh, could we talk about the aesthetics of the film which is a major 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 thing about the film uh, I, I think it's everyone
1: knows that film for best
0: yes it's documentary aesthetic <laughs> yes it's documentary setting is which what people have tried to have mimicked the most and everything so
1: and apparently when this film Apparently, when this film came out in the US yeah. they had to have a disclaimer that not one foot of newsreel was spliced in <gasps> that none of it was staged yeah I,
0: staged. I read about that. that that I don't know that you need bragging rights for something like that by the time you have to put a disclaimer like that it is pretty fascinating but the great thing about it though is it has documentary which footage but with a lot of artistry too which is in fascinating Admirable.
1: The, the version of this I saw was a, a DVD.
2: Uh, it was a DVD print. I think maybe a decade old. So, mm-hmm. you know,
1: before four K mastering. But um, even on a very basic DVD copy of it, I, it just looks so crisp and so clean. Yeah. It's, I, it, it, it 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 doesn't feel it doesn't feel gritty in
0: a in an, a sort of a visual sense. The mm-hmm. the print looks perfect yeah the major thing about it being documentary style is the death scenes feel way too real like it just put yep. some yep. mm-hmm, it just put some color and it really does look like a shot from a newsreel so uh besides that i really i've already talked about how have I talked about that I like how they had really close shots for the characters because it's a film that doesn't really have a lot of characterization but like, all the emotions of the people, like Ali Point, it was all in his face. The camera focuses on his face a lot to get an emotional effect. Yeah, because
1: as we talked about before, the characters mm. individually don't necessarily have mm. uh, an impact. So you need to rely on how they emote yeah. to actually give us anything close to character development. Mm. And you see the people's reactions to to deaths to explosions both on the French and primarily Algerian side
0: yes uh, another thing I really my favourite shots by far is the closing scene when the Algerians finally um, kind of uh, going through their victory of independence and there's this whole scene with, with, with the crowd coming out of the smoke mm. oh it's no. my favourite by far I don't know I think after you've gone through the entire film and it's such a sad. It's it's not a it's, it's a it's a great film to watch, but it's very you feel sad. There's, there's terror terror terrorism happening on the screen, so it's not enjoyable. You're not having a good time. Yeah. But that scene is just so heart feeling. Like I really loved it, and the way it's shot was really great. It was very effective. Just watching them draw out from the smoke with that with like revolting on the streets is really cool.
1: In contrast to that, one of my favourite moments in the film, which people don't really talk about, it's it's the little moments where uh, everything just feels sort of human and intimate. It, it almost feels like the the opening wedding scene in The Godfather, which is not about violence or mm-hmm. anything like that. It, it's the I forget the characters, but it's the sort of secret wedding that goes on, where two oh. characters we don't see a lot of after get married in this very nice serene courtyard mm. and people are happy, it's a respite from the, the noise and the violence of the rest of the film.
2: Oh,
0: that's wow, that's your favourite scene. That's a moment I really love in the film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I actually just remembered it now when you talked about it. I did I didn't Because it's so it's
1: so intimate and mm-hmm. not necessarily tied to the rest of the plot. You do sort of forget about it when you're swept up in everything else that's great about the stuff. Oh,
0: yeah. I, I think the big scenes are the ones that took me um, the ones I recognized the most because there's also a point where Alinda Point is uh, is captured and they've come to get him and there's scenes with many of the Algerians on different roofs that was so cool I don't know, just the setting of it it, it, it gives the, the area where they are it kind of gives it some sort of character in quotes, but I love that You don't
1: really see a lot of films these days that, well, they're very obviously inspired by Battle of O'Jazz, but you don't get this mix of a documentary style Mm -hmm. that's intimate, but it feels like it's something authentic. And then you get moments like that, as you say, on the roofs, where just the sheer scale of it is absolutely staggering.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I think... Can I, can I, do you, do you find many parallels? This is going, of course, but do you find many parallels with the do the right thing? Because do the right thing has so much intimacy, but it didn't have much scope, but it really captures the intimacy so well.
1: That, that's funnily enough, that's not a comparison I thought about, but mm-hmm. Spike Lee in the past has said that he's been inspired by this film he loves this film so I mm-hmm. guess that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. I think the difference is we Do the Right Thing you really get invested in, in all the characters yeah
0: yeah it's it's, a, it's it's more of a character piece actually
1: mm. but no that's actually that's a very that's a very fair comparison mm. uh, someone who people always think about when they think about Battle by is Catherine Bigelow she's someone who deals uh, you know t- almost in this part of the world she's dealt with the Middle East
0: twice before she's dealt with America recently uh, in Detroit Detroit there's so many parallels with that one
1: her stuff it it doesn't feel as authentic as say The Battle of Algiers. yeah it
2: doesn't it
1: doesn't no she captures the immediacy of it Mm -hmm. but it never truly feels lived in I think her films feel kind of dead emotionally whereas
0: just, it feels very close to home very close to bone you feel the deaths in that true whereas I
1: don't think you do with Zero Dark Thirty or The Hurt Locker
0: oh I don't have much memory of those two the one that's still ingrained in my brain is, is Detroit and Detroit is also a film which doesn't really my, one of my criticisms of it was how it doesn't care about the characters at all and I was, a lot of problems <laughs> I, I really did not like that film Timothy love and Joel me. loved that film so they wouldn't be happy to hear me say this but <laughs> did not like it It, it, I, I found that to be such a fault of it but uh.
1: it just felt very false it felt the only reason uh, she was making this movie was to say oh gosh isn't it terrible what happened in Detroit rather than there's a story behind this there's something I can say
0: (laughs) but the horrific effect was effective right
1: I feel you're already in this situation where what is happening is horrific and you're already gifted that it's the same with the battle of Algiers Mm. what's happening is enough of a gift for Ponte Corvo and the people making the film
2: Mm. all you have to do is authentically portray that And you can at least make a good film If
1: not a great one Depending on who you are and what your talent is Mm -hmm. Catherine Bigelow clearly knows what she's doing She was given this horrific uh, event in Detroit But she just went over the top Mm -hmm. Every white guy in it isn't just a racist He's horrifically violent And it never quite feels justified When you look at other films, say... I don't know, loving or Mississippi burning or even in the heat of the night
2: mm.
1: you kind of understand the motivations of the, the racist white characters
2: yeah.
1: and why they kill and why they're violent in Detroit it's just oh every white guy in this movie is evil and they're trying to attack the white girls they're trying to kill every African American you know in case this gets out the, the film's a mess <laughs> and you never get an emotional connection in the way that you do with Battle of Algiers you never have an emotional connection with an individual you have an emotional connection with the underdog with the oppressed
2: yeah
0: true okay uh, let's move on to the score actually I don't have that much to say about the score I know Ennio Morricone is a big deal And and the score is quite big and effective and bold and of course, I loved... I think I only paid attention to the music that was playing in my favorite scene, again, with the women, because it was really intense. And I can remember the beats that were playing. I didn't realize
1: until I put on the movie that Ennio Morricone was the composer for this, and I love him, so that was a treat. But I think it's one of his strongest scores. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, it's, it's brilliant, yeah. I. I it's obviously not to say iconic as his western work but it's just it
0: is good he did this he does scores for Quentin Tarantino right
1: yeah so again uh, that's why it's got that a further link to glorious bastards oh uh, the the scene
2: where Hans lander is uh, it's at the very opening mm-hmm. and he knows that uh, uh,
1: the the Jewish refugees are under the floorboards of the house <laughs> and the music right sort of rises oh. to a crescendo and, Shoshana flees and he sees that he takes aim it's not exactly the same uh, sound as you have in the Battle of Algiers but it's just this constant dread and it's relentless it's like the best tracks in Dunkirk I think all three scores
2: mm. have
1: a lot of similarities
0: um, Oscar is there anything I've mi- anything you had in mind that I've missed before I move on to the next thing i
1: think we're pretty much covering everything that i wanted to bring up i think the only thing i can think of is the unless you want to discuss in a moment is the uh, the sort of very violent reaction to the film from oh. the french
0: oh i didn't have that yeah please talk about that
1: the film wasn't screened for five years in france mm-hmm. following its release mm. um And Pontecorvo, he received death threats from those who were sympathetic to the French. Uh There were threats from uh, there were threats from fascist groups that were presenting screenings
2: of the film. Uh, It's very clear that the French did not like this film.
0: Yeah, have they warmed up to it now? It's kind of. I'm not actually
1: I'm not actually sure what the French impression of it is now, but it was really the first
2: kind of film to deal not just with. French
1: colonialism but colonialism in general I you've do. got to remember the historical context of this film all across the African continent whether it's the the Islamic North or Sub-Saharan Africa mm-hmm. you've got Europeans pulling out for a variety of reasons, you've got the rise of Pan-Africanism, you have the likes of Lumumba and Kwame Nkrumah and they're all coming to power and a lot of there wasn't a lot of art being made at this time on the European side that really commented on this this huge shift in uh, world politics so again that's another reason it's so important is it was kind of the first of its kind to be overtly political
2: oh yeah
0: that's why it's become timeless of course uh, before we get into the, the whole message of the movie uh, is there any other great scene you liked in the film that you'd want to build up on Ah, man. Too many? <laughs> I mean, all of them. I, I,
1: one, one thing that always stood out to me, it's, I forget, it's, I think it's in the latter half of the film. It's when you have uh, Ali Lapointe and Sadi Youssef's character, and they're on the rooftop, and there's this one quote that uh, sort of stuck with me, and it's Sadi Youssef's character saying, You don't win wars with outrage, neither wars nor revolutions. Terrorism serves to begin with. But later, the people themselves must move.
0: Wow, that's a great question. I
1: just, I, I think that's such a, that whole scene in general, it's like the wedding. It's the one of the few quiet
2: moments in the film, mm-hmm. and it's so profound. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the, the film really balances
1: intimacy with scale. You have those nice little moments, and on the flip side of that, you have these huge scenes of, you know, riots and revolution. Uh, you have these explosions. It sounds a weird thing to say. I think they're some of the most beautiful-looking explosions
2: captured in film because they're so horrific. And they're kind so of
0: bad. Yeah. Like, I, I think this film could be on some people's list of so I would never want to see that again. It's horrifying. Um, I think another scene that stuck with me. Do you remember the scene where the, the there's when they're tr- kind of staging like a some some sort of of uh, uh, What's the right word? What's the right word? Like a strike? They're staging a strike yeah. and some sort of strike of silence. And then there's a scene where there's an Arab guy who's doing something on the street. Who's doing something on the street and he's in the white, the white neighborhood, the French neighborhood. And then they start harassing him on the street. I don't know. I found that scene so fascinating. Uh... I liked it a lot. It was very effective, of course, in a bad, bad way, but it was very effective because it even makes you think of today how, the, how Muslims suffer with that thing because of what, like any, any, any type of terror happening around and the people who are not even involved going through that harassment. I found that scene really powerful
1: and it's presented in a matter of fact way it's not sensationalist it's not forcing you to feel sorry for the Algerians it's just it's just presented and if you have any kind of a heart Mm -hmm. you'll immediately feel for the oppressed
0: yes and I think what that what the film does actually subjectively too is just put you in some sort of existential thought because of the way it shows that, that the events happen like while you try to process what you're seeing on screen it's it's a bit of a crisis and it's a crisis that people are still going through today
1: well this is one of the reasons as you were saying about the timelessness of the film let's talk about that ah god where where do we even begin Mm. Uh, I mean yeah this film could be made today and I think it would still be revered it would still be held as a masterpiece but it wouldn't feel dated at all no No, I'm just thinking uh, we mentioned Catherine Bigelow uh, Mm -hmm. the most famous fan of this movie is Paul Greengrass and that's so obvious in everything he's ever done from his movie Sunday Bloody Sunday uh, which is about the Northern Irish conflict then he did Green Zone he did Captain Phillips about the Somali pirates
2: oh he did
0: Captain Captain Phillips okay uh
1: yeah yeah uh, he, he's someone who he works so fast his films are so relevant mm. and immediate but I think because he's so guided by what Pontecorvo did and what this film did and how it portrayed such a recent uh, series of events mm. that he's just as successful
2: mm. as
1: Pontecorvo when he makes these films about stuff that is happening right now
0: I haven't well, I haven't watched many of his films. I'm I'm not that big a fan. I think I think, but um, yeah. So the parallel is not really there for me much. And people talk about the parallel with Jason Bourne because of the shaky cam. I think the problem is
1: so many people copied what Greengrass did mm. he did it, you know, he, he built upon what he was inspired by from Battle of Algiers. But Battle of Algiers isn't a shaky film. It's it just not. uses handheld camp.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but, but the thing is Greengrass has a reason for
2: why he uses the shaky cam. Mm-hmm. The problem is everyone's copied him now that uh
1: people just include shaky cam to hide mistakes can't justify that technique yeah. I think the problem is you, it's like with any filmmaking technique if you can justify doing it and you do it for a reason and you do it well it works when everyone else copies you it looks terrible mm-hmm. yeah I think that- one of the great examples of that is um uh, taken three oh. which is one of the worst things i've ever seen oh. Uh, yeah. they, they try and hide the fact that Liam Neeson is in his sixties and clearly can't <laughs> fight the way he used to. They just use the shaky cam. Uh, they did it in Quantum of Solace, the James Bond film as well. Oh, I remember that. Jason Bourne, so but bad. not kind of getting the point.
0: Hmm. I know. Uh, another thing, just circling back. Did, ha, have you read about how also the Black Panthers used to watch this film? As a, uh, no, but it wouldn't surprise me Yeah, they used to watch this film way back And also I read about how Like it I don't know how true that would be In terms of the time frame But it was also an inspiration To some African countries Which got their independence Quite a bit later I don't know how true that is well, the
1: film's clearly—it's not only influenced filmmakers, but as we discussed, you know, it's, it's influenced uh, nations that have oppressive foreign policies,
2: mm-hmm. such
1: as the U.S. back during the Iraq War, mm-hmm. uh, Argentina in the 1960s, mm.
2: and then guerrillas as well. Uh, those who use guerrilla warfare. Mm, the warfare. Okay. I, I'm surprised we don't see more screenings of this film in public to sort of warn about the dangers of war the
1: futility of war. Yeah, I think we need a version of this,
0: but against an oppressive government that's within. Mm-hmm. Something as effective as this.
1: But Do you wh- think any film... We've talked about the film's timelessness and its impact. Do you feel there's been any film in, say,
2: the last 10 years that has kind of done the same thing and had some sort of the impact that
1: Battle of Algiers has uh, kind of impacting people on both sides
0: and how they discuss it oh wow oh, no. I don't know there's been a film as impactful no. as this no, people go full propaganda they really side with one side entirely and they'll inspire that one side only mm. not form a discussion between the two and inspire both sides, I can't think of any no me neither that's great That's that, uh, but, but like you said in the beginning I don't is this film widely known I think it's just uh, it's not as popular you'd say like it's it's, it's not. not an obvious title which even say people who aren't cinephiles would know
1: I think it's very very overlooked it yeah. has been for a long time
0: yeah yeah oh.
1: and I think that's a shame it is genuinely one of the greatest films ever made
0: yeah uh, Mira cites this film also as an inspiration, but I wouldn't be able to put a uh, parallel with any of her films. I haven't seen Salam there, so I don't know.
1: Uh, I believe, and I haven't seen, I believe she did a film with Riz Ahmed a couple of years ago called The Reluctant Fundamentalist.
0: Oh, yeah, I've, I have
1: that. Uh, <sighs> yeah, so I, I mean possibly that. Um, mm. Ken
0: Loach the British film Lodge is film. such an indie guy I don't know how he drives inspiration from this maybe just as a cinephile <laughs> I
1: mean uh, unfortunately I haven't seen a lot of his films but um, the two that come to mind are The Wind That Shakes the Barley and I, Daniel Blake I don't know if you've seen either one
0: I've seen I, Daniel Blake I liked mm. it a lot uh, and again it, it's a very sort of
1: no-frills presentation of what life is like and doesn't really do a lot Beyond that, uh, to manipulate
2: mm. the viewer. The one that shakes the barley
0: is about the Irish rebellion, mm. so that you could draw more of an obvious parallel
1: there. But he's a very political filmmaker, Ken Loach.
0: He is, he is. Yeah, I like that, like, he doesn't try to manipulate the audience. That's good. That's really good.
1: Um, Another film I saw recently, uh, two, two films that are very similar to each other and I'm not saying they're necessarily inspired by the Battle Ages but they do the same thing um, have you
2: seen uh, we talked about this on Ladderbox mm. uh, and this is just a shameless plug to any of your
1: listeners get on Letterboxd, I think it's brilliant <laughs> uh, I think it's great which film? Uh, it's the Florida Project Oh, I love the Florida project. No, I absolutely love this film. <laughs> I absolutely love this oh, film. Oh,
0: that's perfect. That's so perfect. Wait, can I give a, a better parallel? Okay, I don't think it's better. It's more in line. But City of God, don't you think there's parallels there? You know, that's actually not a bad
1: comparison. That's a film I haven't seen for a number of years now, but that makes a lot of sense. It
0: does. And, and even in terms of a narrative, says the way it begins with a character and then ends with it and then the multitudes of violence and the ways portraying the people although not based on true events or anything but I think those two have great parallels together yeah
1: I, I mean I, I, I'm sure the filmmaker would have seen Fatal of Algiers yes uh, it, actually, it, it, it surprising that, uh-huh. it's surprising for a film that it's surprising a film that's inspired so many
0: filmmakers and these great films people now love that more people aren't talking about it I know, it is very, very surprising. Um, anything more before we move on?
1: No, nothing I can think of.
0: Okay. Um, okay, I'm, I think we're done with Battle of are we?
1: I, I think so. Uh, the only other thing I can suggest, and I've yet to see it unfortunately, but I hear uh, a film called Lion of the Deserts, uh, which I believe is a Libyan film. And Dealing with the Italian oppression is meant to be, if not as good, then almost as good as Battle of Algiers. Oh,
0: that sounds good. That sounds good.
1: Oh. It's one I'm very keen to see.
0: Okay, um, Oscar. I think we have a bit of time, and I wanted uh, some. When I have a guest on, I like to for us to do a thing where just tell us the last good thing you watched. And would recommend. Last good thing. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean,
1: the Florida project is something that you know really stayed with me. Oh. Uh, before that, I'm trying to think. The last really good film I saw before that was, uh, funnily enough, it was probably Hellraiser Two. What?
0: <laughs> I, have you seen either of them? No, no, I've never been compelled to do so. <laughs>
1: I I would highly recommend uh, the first two I think after that they all like all these horror franchises they all kind of descend into being you know crap and low budget but um, it's such an imaginative horror film that deals with uh, the ideas of pain and pleasure and suffering it's almost like an art house horror movie it's inspired by the likes of the paintings of M.C. Escher the you know total mind fucks um That was probably the last really imaginative film I watched was Hellraiser 2, which I would argue is better than the
2: first one, (laughs) so uh, if you're willing to give a very different kind of horror movie
1: a shot, Mm -hmm. I would recommend the first Hellraisers, because they're direct continuations of each other
0: as well. Okay, I'll give it a shot. I'm so shocked you haven't said Avengers Infinity War, because I keep telling Joel (laughs) how you gave it
2: five stars.
1: (laughs) well see that that was on second viewing Um, the the thing is when I say five stars it's more of an emotional reaction I mean objectively it's not as great as say The Godfather or or Citizen Kane or Battle of Algiers
2: that's very obvious yeah but uh, I try I try to look at the film
1: on a variety of levels and I think for what it is it is kind of a milestone in cinema that doesn't necessarily mean it's good Uh, for what it is I think it's great fun Um, I think the pacing is fantastic it's almost three hours but it doesn't feel like it but uh, a film like this has never as far as I'm aware been attempted before even in the silent era you spend a decade building up to this film across 18 different stories all with interconnecting strands and you can be cynical about a film like that but uh, for, for not only them to pull that off but pull it off and be coherent and entertaining I think is an incredible achievement uh, and it costs so much money mm-hmm. I don't think that's anything you could ever quite replicate in the same way with independent cinema <laughs> I
0: didn't like it much oh, I don't know I get I, mean, it. I mean,
2: these Marvel movies are. Uh, I feel that they're really great fun and
1: kind of nothing more. And I don't understand people who try to read more into them than that. They're like, good
0: fun. <laughs> just good fun. Instead. You don't no, like it Martin more War. than Annihilation, do you? Oh, absolutely not. Annihilation okay. is it's a genuinely
1: brilliant film on so many levels. Yeah. I think in a very different way, Infinity War is, uh, is a really impressive mm. movie. And just a hell of a lot of fun you know i saw it on an imax screen i went big with it it's an event movie you know you go into that kind of movie and you know what to expect you go into say i don't know the last movie i saw on imax before that was Dunkirk, which i think oh. is an incredible movie
2: nice. and you go
1: in with different expectations
0: nice oh, we don't have imax theaters yet so can't speak on that experience
1: If you ever get some opportunity to see a movie properly formatted for IMAX, uh, it's like nothing you'll ever experience. I'd really recommend it.
0: Yeah, I've toyed with going all the way to Nairobi to see that. Um, Let me see. I think I I have a recommendation. I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you heard of the documentary World Wild Country?
1: Uh, This is the Netflix one, right? Yeah,
0: the six-part documentary.
1: I've been meaning to see that I've heard nothing but good things Oh you
0: really need to see that Now that's a a, a doc which is actually a good one To recommend in this podcast episode Because it's also one that has two sides of our story But the thing with these two sides is they're both bad Because it's a cult that goes into (laughs) (laughs) It's a a cult coming from India That sets up shop in Oregon and the Oregonians hate them so much. They're like, and they're blatantly racist about it. Okay, and they don't—they're not overt about like the filmmaker doesn't let them go all the way. And I've seen a complaint about the film is that they don't get into the historic perspective of how that state has a lot of racism. But they really hate that that, that the the Indians have come there with the whole cult. But the Indians themselves are so bad because they're like contaminating water, trying to kill people, and really expanding and trying to entirely take over Oregon. I was even watching the entire thing and thinking this is how colonialism happens. Just coming and invading people's space and forming your own whole state. It's really it's fascinating, but the thing is it ended up for me as like both of them were bad on both sides. You should see it. I wonder what you think.
1: I'm trying to think. Uh, a documentary I'd recommend uh, to listeners.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm
1: not. I'm not quite sure how you would view it if you're not in the UK. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, it's a documentary called Bitter Lake. B i t t e r oh, lake. Like
0: the Adam Curtis thing.
1: Yeah, uh, you've seen it.
0: I i I have access to it. I can get it. I think it's a scene. It was like a scene. A BBC doc or something. Is it a TV station? Yeah uh, <sighs>
1: It, it was made for the BBC streaming service,
0: yeah. so it, it, it's a feature-length movie. It's, it's over two hours, but yeah. um, I think it's
1: one of the best documentaries I've ever seen.
0: I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it.
1: Yeah, well, what it essentially does, and I'm not spoiling uh, mm. anything here, is it traces how the, the course of the world was changed uh, during one meeting and uh, a link somewhere, I believe, in Saudi Arabia or near Saudi Arabia... Between uh, the the then uh, ruler of Saudi Arabia and uh, President uh, FDR, Franklin Mm -hmm. Delano Roosevelt, Mm
2: -hmm. Um, and when you look at his argument for it, it, it's it's so convincing. Wow! How the whole world, even like where we are now with with Trump
0: and Brexit, how it all kind of started with that one meeting on a lake uh, between a president and uh, the leader of Saudi Arabia whoa I have to see
1: yeah it's insane
0: okay I'll definitely see okay let's close the episode
1: sounds good
0: Uh, great having you Oscar thanks a lot
1: always a pleasure
0: Uh, do we need to plug Cinema Escapist again
1: Uh, yeah let's plug Cinema Escapist and let's plug Letterboxd and uh, (laughs) you know Sharon's work and Timothy's work on Cinema Escapist is always brilliant
0: and the other guy is Bukhari. I don't know if the pronunciation is right.
1: It's uh, yes, Bukhari. We have a team of the three of us: Bukhari, Sawadogo, and Katie Jane Stewart. Yes.
0: All our stuff on Cinema escapist, is the Africa section. Check that out. Go on Letterbox and log your films and talk, have conversations with people. But otherwise, Thank thanks, you. Oscar. Thanks a lot.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, bye.